Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. You're in for a treat today, as always. Really glad you're here. Don't forget, guys, you can go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get all of the show notes, to listen to past episodes, and probably even get a transcript of this episode that we're doing today with Michelle. And a lot of cool stuff on there. This podcast is being brought to you as well by my new book, wholesalingleaseoptions.com. Well, the book is called Wholesaling Lease Options, and the book is at wlobook.com. I went ahead and printed a bunch of these books, and I'll just ship it to you. You just pay the shipping. I'll pay for the book. But if you go to wlobook.com, you're going to get my little uh, treatise. Is that a good thing that I can call it a treatise of the topic on wholesaling lease options? And I cover how to do these deals from beginning to end. And I kind of talk a lot about how I got started flipping lease options. It'll be a really good book for you. So check that out at wlobook.com. And one more thing I'll say. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I appreciate you guys when you leave a review. Let us know that you like the show. Even if you don't like it, leave us a review. That's cool. I don't care. But uh, let us know that you like the show, what you like and what you don't. And I read those reviews and I um, sometimes I even read them here on the podcast. I want to get right into this podcast interview with Michelle because Michelle and Jack, her husband, and I have been friends for, boy, Michelle, how long have we been friends? I don't know. I think I've known you for maybe six, seven years. I mean, it's been a while since I went to my first uh, Collective Genius meeting. So, (laughs) yes. Well, it's been a while. And um, I have learned so much from Michelle and Jack and become good friends with them. Just got the, I had the privilege of hanging out with Jack about a month ago in Ohio. And I gave him a hard time. (laughs) Jack is so serious, you know. And uh, so sometimes when I'm teasing him, I don't know like how he's, I, it's hard to read. I don't know if I'm, if I'm stepping out of bounds by teasing him. Do you know what I'm saying, Michelle? Not at all though. It just looks like that, but he's, he's actually quite the joker here at home. So yeah, I'm sure he is. But I wanted to interview Michelle because she just started a brand new podcast and I'm excited about this podcast. I'm going to ask her to share a little bit about her story, her journey mm-hmm. and talk about what she's got going on with her new podcast. This is going to be, it's, it's a real good show. I know a lot of the ladies out there, especially are going to like the show and like what Michelle has to say. And even the guys out there too, I'm assuming, right? Guys can listen to your podcast, Michelle. Absolutely. Really. The message is for everyone. You know, Uh it's, it's a, it's a message of, of bringing consciousness to the world about, you know, three topics that I'm really uh, devoted to, which is flow, faith, and finances. So Mm -hmm. it is a message for everyone. I have chosen it, you know, for it to be uh, women just because in my experience, you know, my journey as an investor, especially as we moved up, you know, our ladder ladder of evolution in terms of investing, it's been a lonely journey for me as a woman. And I would love to see more women investing. Mm, That's good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your your journey, Michelle. Like, sure. how did you get involved? Well, what what came first, real estate or did you meet Jack? Uh, I met Jack first, and I'm originally from Honduras. Jack is originally from Germany. Uh, we both immigrated here into the U.S. Um, and we first came here to study, and the plan was to study, and then you know, for both of us to go back home, not to find each other. But then Cupid hit, and <laughs> and it just happened, you know. So that's where we met. We met here in the U.S., somewhere in the middle of the cornfields of the Midwest, about three hours southwest of Chicago, in a tiny little town called Macomb, Illinois. Yeah. And there sits the famous Western Illinois University where, you really? know, Cupid hit. <laughs> I did not know. And by the way, I should mention, I don't, I don't know if I said this year, Jack's last name is Bosch. Jack yes. Bosch from, from um, well, what's the name of your company? I forget. Uh, Land for Pennies. Land for Pennies. Yes. Yes, Land for Pennies. And that's, that's on the education side. And on the investing side, we invest as Orbit Investments. Okay, Orbit Investments. Yeah. 
And so what year was that when you guys met in Illinois? That was 1997. I have been here in the U.S. since 1995. And so in my last year, uh, my senior year of undergrad, um, I met Jack, who was coming from Germany to do an MBA, uh, you know, an 11-month MBA. And we happened to sit together in uh, upper-level finance courses together. And he used to send me little chocolates and little notes. And I would get in trouble, you know, with the professor. (laughs) He, of course, wouldn't. So that's kind of how, you know, how it started. And then we both decided that, okay, if we wanted to give this a chance, you know, of whether the relationship was going to work or not, that we probably needed to stay in a neutral territory that it wasn't his or mine. And so we decided to stay here in the U.S. and we both got jobs. As a student here into the U.S., you get a student visa and with that comes something called optional practical training, which is pretty much a work permit for a year after you're done with your undergrad or your master's. Mm-hmm. And uh, it allows you to work here legally. And we went ahead and found jobs, you know, moved to the city of Chicago. And um, he found a job with a... Um, software company uh, doing business analyst uh, work for something called Siebel Systems, which is now Oracle. And I got a job uh, working for a company that was founded by Gail Sayers uh, there in Illinois. So then we started working and then we then filed for what is called an H-1B visa, which is a work permit visa. And that is usually done through your company. Your company has to sponsor that. And that's kind of how it started. And then Jack was at 100% travel. I actually moved from that company and moved down here to Phoenix, Arizona to do my MBA as well at Thunderbird Graduate School. And from there, I started with Motorola and we were both traveling 100% of the time. Wow. And we hated being away from each other. I mean, this was like, depending on where we were going to be sent, you know, for, you know, to work for a customer. Uh, we had to already start our travel journey on Sunday evening and come back home dead and exhausted, you know, on Friday after putting 80, 100 hour weeks. And after a few years of that, we're like, okay, this, this isn't going to work. Wow. And, but we couldn't leave that because that was what afforded us the opportunity to be working legally in the U S. So then, um, so then I decided to actually jump on Jack's, you know, um, petition for, uh, for a green card. And I decided to start our land business while we waited for this green card process to, to continue and to come through. And, and what year was this? This was back in 2001. 2001. I want to ask you one more question. What country are you from again? Honduras, Honduras. which is Central America. It's those tiny little five little countries, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and Panama. Those make Central America, and mine is one of those. <laughs> so I love the way you pronounce those. Uh, yes. you said those countries. So yes, cool. yes, yes. Well, let, I want to say something, Michelle, because you know this current climate with what's going on in the news, and yeah, I am so glad you're here. Thank you. <laughs> it was hard to get here the oh. right way. Let me tell you. I, but you know what? I got you and Jack are some of the coolest people I know, and I'm glad you're here in the United Thank States. Thank you. Thank you. We are very happy to to be here. Uh, I had, you know, we had a, our daughter back in 2007. I became a U.S. citizen in 2008. Wow. And you wouldn't believe that, you know, after all the hard work, you know, to get to that point, you think, okay, you know, it's not going to be a big deal to be at the citizenship ceremony and just finally, you know, get this over with. Wow. But once you're there and you're giving your oath and, you know, it it can get really emotional. Wow. And uh, so now my heart is here. This is home. This is where my daughter was born. And of course, you know, my I have my memories of childhood and, and teenage and adolescence is, you know, from Honduras and part of my family lives there. So part of my heart is there, but this yeah. this is home now. Yes. Is it easy for you to go there? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I usually try to be there at least once a year or every other year or my mother comes and visits and we make it a point that Sophia goes back there and meets her family. The same with Germany. It's a, it's a yearly pilgrimage to oh, both our countries. So cool. Yeah. So it's um, we we try to maintain that relationship with with the families back home. And, 
reason why, you know, we actually make an emphasis on Sofia, not only being an English speaker, but also Spanish and German so that she wow. has that opportunity to that when she's back with family, she can really relate uh, on a much more deeper level because you lose so much when you, you know, when you don't understand the language, at least for yeah. me, let me tell you, like I would watch like, uh, those, uh, talk shows in the evenings it took me probably a good five, six years, even though I had very good command of the English language, to actually understand humor and subtleties and, really? you know, just little things. So I'm like, we want that for our daughter as well in our respective languages as well. So we make it a point. Yes. Nice. So well, um, You guys are yeah. always traveling, which is so cool. Yes. I'm so yes, jealous. We- I see your Facebook posts. And, well, uh, but but let me tell you that the success of really organizing the business in a way that we can take, you know, three to four months off every year it came as a result of actually uh, something, I don't want to say negative because in every negative experience there's something positive, but it came as a result of me being completely burned out back in 2011. So we started this land business in 2001, just to give yes, you a little let's, bit of context. Let's, let's go back and to that. Yeah, cool. let's go back in time. And um, in 2001, and we, you know, we both had jobs back then that we hated, but we needed to keep them because of the green card. And eventually, you know, we got that going. And in two years later, you know, we were able to for Jack to, you know, completely leave his, his, his job with Oracle and come full time. And I would say that was in 2002 by 2003, a year and a half later, we did our first auction. So we were originally selling pieces of land and flipping them for what we call in our world, one-time cash and temporary cash. And, um, the one-time cash, meaning you flip a piece of land, you know, and you get cash for it and, and, and that's it. You get paid once. Um, and in temporary cash, we would flip that piece of land. But instead of flipping it for cash, we would offer seller financing, you know, with notes ranging anywhere between 5, 10, and 15 years. And all of a sudden, we created, you know, cash flow through land. And But it was going to be temporary. The moment the person pays off their loan or their note, you know, the cash flow is gone. And so we did that. And we were able to do about 250 properties, sell them a quarter through big land auctions, you know, that we would put up here at the Mesa and Phoenix Con- Convention Center. And and so we did almost 4,000 deals in, in, that, in that fashion with almost a thousand properties a year. And at some point then 2008 comes along and we are sitting on a ton of liquidity. And we realized that here in Phoenix, Phoenix is for sale. And we start our journey into single family investing, but single family investing, not to wholesale, but to actually roll over some of the profits that we had created from the land flipping, from the land wholesaling and park them for basically buy and hold. Nice. And, um, and so kind of like, I, I, I would have to say that our business has followed our personal evolution as investors. And as we have evolved and grown as investors, you know, our, our level of complexity in investing has increased because at the beginning, since we were both not from here, we had absolutely no clue how to estimate, you know, repairs on a house or figure out what it costs to replace a kitchen cabinet or any of that. So for us, the most simple way, you know, the, the, was that didn't have any toilets, termites, or or, or tenants, uh, was basically flipping dirt. And, right. and that's kind of how we started. And, th- and then, you know, we continue growing and evolving. And I think things, since now 2016, we our major focus, we continue to sell land, of course, but our, our major focus has been uh, multifamily. And like, and like I said, it's rolling over the profits that we make from the land flipping into multifamily. Nice. And so that's kind of, you know, what, what we've been up to lately. That's awesome. And, 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 and to bring this full circle yeah. in the process of doing that, because that sounds, you know, I described it in, I don't know how many minutes, but that required a lot of work. <laughs> but Michelle, I want to, I want to dive deeper into that. I know you have, a, you have an amazing story of kind of like you guys were working your tails off. You were working really hard. And uh, you went through, through some personal things where, yeah, yeah you just, you got to, you kind of had to focus on yourself. And I want to talk about that. Yeah. You mentioned those three things, those uh, three different types of cash. 
Yeah. And, and, and that was one-time cash, mm-hmm. temporary cash, mm-hmm. and forever cash. Mm-hmm. I love how you guys, you and Jack, talk about that. And you both wrote a book called Forever Cash, right? Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. still available? That is still av- available, yes. I love that concept. Can you talk about, um, just real briefly, why you feel, I know why it's important for, well, tell me why you guys wrote the book. Well, I think it was at the beginning, I think, in terms of our educational business, Jack was much more uh, leading that in that, you know, he, he felt like, wow, we just stumbled into something that, um, you know, when I was growing up, I was, it was not available. I had not had access to this kind of information and knowledge, and I would love for more people to know about it. And so it, it came out of a big desire for him, you know, to serve and really turn around and say, wow, you know, I've, I've come this far. I would love to bring m- many more people along with me in the journey. Okay. And so I think that was the reason for, for the book. It was, it was just him when he was growing up, not really having access to this kind of, you know, philosophy or way of looking at things for both of us. You know, his father is a high school teacher. My mother's yeah. also an elementary teacher. Both of them now retired, but we didn't grow up with that mindset. So, okay. uh, so it was, it, Mainly, you know, from service, a hard project for him. Yeah, because I, I know you, you helped a lot with the book, I think. Yes, yes, yes. It's really, it's really our story, you yeah, know, in, in editing and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. His name is on it, but it should say Jack and Michelle Bosch. <laughs> Make sure you tell him I said that. <laughs> I will, I will. Because I, I, I know how hard you work, and you work way harder than he does. <laughs> No, we just work different. And and I think this is this is part of uh, the realization is, you know, now in hindsight of why, you know, I completely exhausted myself to the point of burnout back in 2011. Yeah. And, and, and that is from uh, really focusing. I'm a very process oriented person and really focusing on process, which process will take you far, very, very far. But process really means that at your core, you continue to be a rugged individualist that do not does that, that, that does not trust people, and therefore you trust the process, and and the process will get the people there, you know. And there is value to that. That will bring you so far, but that requires that you're constantly pushing the people. What I call the who, you know, because there's four pillars in business: the why, the who, the what, and the how. And so that means you're pushing always the who. Because you're so focused on the process. And that's the biggest realization for me was that I wasn't really focusing on the who. And the moment we did start focusing on who and what I mean by who is, is who in every sense, your clients, your team members, uh, your partners, your vendors, everyone basically, and, and really start coming from a place of being a core values driven organization things started to become easy and effortless because now those who would not just follow the process, but improve the process and make it better when okay. the focus was on the who. Interesting. And so I, I, I like to call it and, and make an analogy because I really understand things. For me, I get a lot of clarity with when I think about polar opposites. If you think about a lighthouse versus a tugboat, the tugboat will do its job and, and will get, you know, with a lot of effort is going to go out into the harbor and get those big ships back into, you know, safe harbor and so on. Uh-huh. But it's going to do it with a lot of effort. Right. And when you have a lighthouse, a lighthouse does not move, obviously. It stands there grounded, shining very brightly in what you stand for and what you stand against. And all of a sudden, the people, you know, the ships out, even in a stormy, dark night, will see the light. And will, you know, come into safe harbor. And, and that's kind of how I like to, to think of it, because then all of a sudden you start being really magnetic and attracting the right type of people in your team, the right type of clients, the right type of partners, et cetera, and things become easier. And so, and so that's, that's one thing that I, that I wanted to mention. And then once I focus on the who, another big realization that I had was that we had in our company a lot of accelerators. And what I mean by that is very visionary type of people, very quick start type of people in, in thriving and spontaneity. But very few of us or very few of me 
that are more stabilizers, which means uh, people that are, yes, looking at process, and, and not only that, but are looking at what are we doing re- well, really, really well, so that we can continue doing that really, really well, really, really well. And the accelerator is looking at like, okay, how can we innovate? How can we change? What new things? So they're about the guys that bring the new things, you know, into a business or an organization. And the stabilizers are exactly what, you know, the the word says. They stabilize such that, okay, what if this is a good idea? What if this needs to be parked for a quarter or two because we don't have the bandwidth right now? And so the moment that I focus on the who, more, you know, I I needed to bring into an org- our organization more stabilizers so that we would have, you know, more uh, of a balanced company between accelerators and stabilizers. And and that only came from the moment, you know, I started looking at, at people and really having trust in the goodness of people and their great intentions and in their skill set. And, and that cannot come if you don't trust yourself. So, I didn't, I didn't trust myself in many ways. And as a result, that reflected on how I trusted others. And therefore, I even, if I bring that out a little bit further, you know, trusting the unknown and just grace and, and intuition and, and so on and so forth. And so many times, oh. there, you know, during that period leading up to burnout, you override intuition because ra- rationally a lot of things and, you know, and deals or whatever check out and they look like they could be good and they're really not. And you, you know, kind of like shoved the intuition under the carpet and, and didn't listen to it because just on paper things looked really, really well. And so that's that has been part of the process also. It's been bringing that not only in trust in me, but in in others and and teaching also coaching our our you know our team members in following their intuition as well and does this feel right right now the decision that I'm about to take or what I'm going to present to this client or uh, whatever you know so it's a little bit more of um, right brained cultivation over the last few years in our company versus left brain. Okay, talk about why did you get burnt out? Like how did that happen? That happened from working <laughs> every day and not having, not setting boundaries in terms of realizing, okay, uh, today I'm tired. I have worked already 10 hours. I, you know, it's been a 10 hour day. I should go ahead and take some time off and relax. And as a result of not doing that for long periods of time, you get to a point where your mind is so worked up that even if you do take the pauses and you do take the breaks, your mind kind of like doesn't shut off. It keeps going, you know? Yeah. And so that affects, you know, your 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 health and your well-being because you're constantly because of what's going on in your mind and worries or whatever, you know, you're you're restricted. You contract yourself uh not just physically in terms of your muscles, but just just energetically, your radiance, you know, you're not radiating calm presence, you know, cause you're constantly going and going and going. Yeah. So it was, it was a burnout that it was not just physical, but it was also mental and emotional. It was complete ex- exhaustion. <laughs> really? Yes. Yes. Complete exhaustion. W- were you literally working every day, seven days a week? Uh, yes. Yes. And perhaps I wasn't in the office every day, but I was thinking about stuff every day and being a control freak about, I hope that so-and-so is working on this today. And you know what I mean? So it's a constant rumination. And I think this is something that all entrepreneurs uh, deal with. It's, it's, it's hard to turn it off, you know, and it's hard to basically come to the realization that we need to treat ourselves like athletes, you know, athletes have a season when they rest and they have a season when they're actually in season, you know, that's why they say, you know, such and such sport is in season right now, you know, and, 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 and what we have to recognize is that we need to start looking ourselves like that and that there are days in the week or times of the month or times in the quarter where we need to basically pause and recharge because actually the growth doesn't happen just like in a muscle doesn't happen when you're lifting up the weight you're actually breaking muscle fibers when you're lifting up the weight. But when it's repairing, it's when it's at rest and it's when it's growing, correct? Yeah. So the same the same for us as, entre- uh, as entrepreneurs. We need to start looking at ourselves like that as well. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so you're burnt out 
And, yeah. it, you know, how, how many years ago was this? This was uh, 2011. Okay, so about seven. And, and so for a period of maybe six to eight weeks, <laughs> I had no energy. I could just, like, wake up, you know, uh, get my, my daughter ready for school, and then come back, and I would be like, okay, please, you know, uh, nobody call me, <laughs> nobody talk to me. Yeah. I need to just rest and relax and recover and really just sleep not even like read a book, like mentally, completely exhausted. And then by, you know, 2.30 would roll around and it would be time to go pick her up. And I would, you know, go do that, do homework with her and then dinner. And then once that was done, you know, I had the great support of Jack, my mother, occasionally when she comes and, you know, and visits and stays with us and basically put Sophia to bed because, you know, I, I was already tired. Um, mm -hmm. and so, and so, but what that gave me, you know, is the time to start thinking about, wow, look at how I run myself to the ground. And I started this business originally, you know, to enjoy, you know, freedoms of, of time, of money, of purpose, of relationships, but I cannot enjoy any of those freedoms because right now my health is completely compromised. Wow. And so I had time to think about that and think about, okay, so if, if I am not, you know, the operations genie of my company and I'm not the person in charge of finances right now, you know, cash management, because even to that extent, Jack was taking over, you know, some of those responsibilities for me and some of the responsibilities on the operational level, you know, we have another team member that has been now with us almost 12 years and he was, you know, helping a lot with that. And, and, and so for me, it was like, okay, if this is not my identity, if I am not a, an entrepreneur right now, because I'm not doing the things that an entrepreneur in my mind should be doing, which is the constant hustling, you know, yeah. there's this incredible, um, conversation and undercurrent along amongst entrepreneurship that I almost consider like hustle porn, oh. that if you're not hustling, hustling, <laughs> hustling, you know, uh, you're not, you're not you're not really being an entrepreneur. And, and there is times for that. There's absolutely no doubt that hustle is needed. It's important. It'll give you a lot of momentum, but also recognize that just like there is a season of hustle, there's also season to rejuvenate, to replenish, to yeah. recharge, and to just basically take a pause. And I was forced to take that pause and 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 really then start thinking about okay if i'm not that if if this you know that supposedly where i have this incredible superior skill and confidence in uh which is you know the obligations i had you know and or or the role that i had in my company if that's not who i am because it's not energizing me then what is the next thing for me what is the next best step or move for me in terms of um figuring out what activities I'm going to be involved in that will energize me because what I have been doing right now has depleted me completely. And so then it started a journey of like, okay, so what is my genius? I've been living a lot in excellence. I've had the privilege, you know, uh, I'm of a generation of women that I think first generation of women that have the privilege of, of having excellence burnout, because I think this is not something new for uh, you know, for guys, for men, because yeah. you guys have been doing it much, much, much longer. Mm. And so I, I, I'm, I, I consider myself of, you know, being the first generation to have that privilege <laughs> and, um, and, and start really figuring out, okay, what, what then is my genius? What are the things that are really not just good at, but, but that I love and that I, that energize me and what kind of boundaries do I need to set for myself, you know, in, in terms of like, um, time management as like, w there must be, there must be days where I need to devote to rejuvenation, to me time, golden time, which I like to call it. And that doesn't mean like running errands to go do groceries or, or doing things that, that are, ex you know, that are like the traditional, uh, my personal life role, you know, yeah. but that I'm where I'm actually doing things for me that do not involve doing laundry that do not involve, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, and so, and so that kind of got me started, you know, that thinking about, okay, there must be, there must be a better way to go about this. And, um, and it's, I continue to be on that journey to this, to this day and figuring out, you know, and, 
what is, you know, what is it that I'm here to do? What is my freedom of purpose that I'm, I'm here for? And, and that's kind of how the inflow podcast started as a, um, as a desire to cultivate a little bit, you know, that left, uh, I'm sorry, the right brain more than the left, because I had been doing a, and working a lot as a generator, creating results and uh, very linear, very process oriented. And I'm like, I, I need to, perhaps what I need to do is, you know, start looking at what are things that I love and what, and what I've realized is that, wow, I really, really undermine my creativity because I've been so in production generator mode and, and creativity can't be forced. You can't schedule it for nine in the morning on Tuesday. (laughs) You know, it comes as a result of having a relaxed mind and in with a relaxed mind comes creativity. And, and I would say, you know, magic or, or revelation or, you know, ideas that just out of nowhere insight comes and you're like, Oh, maybe this is what we need to do, you know, uh, for whatever situation or project or issue that we, you know, that we've dealt now for a couple of quarters in the business. But if you don't take the time to, to have that pause, you know, maybe that idea would have never come up or if it comes up, it, takes much, much longer. So I know it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the undertone of, you know, the podcast is complete opposite of, uh, say, um, what is it? The gentleman that was here last night, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, which is, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle yeah. is the complete opposite of him. Um, uh, and I, I would say, yes, hustle is great, but there's a season for it, but there's also seasons for, you know, for replenishment and actual, growth and that those come also, you know, from you taking the time to take pauses and taking things slower and not be so hurried, um, and taking things slower so that you can be much more strategic, much more deliberate in what you want to do next. That's good. Yeah. How does your business and personal life look different today then than it did seven years ago? Okay. So now we, we have what we call, Play, planning, and production days. (laughs) So there's the three Ps. And we, you know, I don't have, before I had uh, what I would call Neapolitan ice cream days, where those three Ps, I would have all three Ps in one day. And for me, at least for me, I recognize that, you know, on the days in which I want to play and somebody calls me for a production call, it's, it, I, I, you know, then that day has turned into a production day It's no longer a play day because I have not allowed my mind and my body to completely shut off for 24 hours. And so now we give ourselves, you know, 24 to even 48 hour, uh, periods of time, at least for me right now, where I'm like completely not, no business is handled in any way. And I know that is hard and it was, Oh my God, Joe, hard as heck in the beginning yeah. to have the discipline to not pick up a book, to not start a business podcast, to not, because, because the big momentum and the big habit is there to continue uh, getting more and more and more acquired knowledge. When what I'm talking about is starting to not so much depend on acquired knowledge, which is knowledge from the outside in, but start depending on more inside knowledge, you know? Uh, yeah. intuitive knowledge that comes from the inside out. Yeah. And so, 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 so it is hard, but in, in, it's a constant progress, you know, you fall back into all of a sudden, you know, I have two days, which are supposed to be play days and the quarter passes. And by the end of the quarter, I realized that one of those two days had, has turned into a planning day and I'm like, what is going on? So it's a constant uh, revisiting every quarter of like, okay, what do I need to continue to stop doing? Because, you know, it's not in my genius that somebody needs to take care of that is now on my plate and it's interfering with my play date. So okay. to speak. Yeah. So it's setting up, you know, a little bit of discipline for yourself and kind of like, uh, um, the structure to within the structure have, you know, time to rest and recover and just do absolutely nothing. Okay. I like that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's hard, isn't it though? Yeah, I'm telling you, it, it, it is hard. And then, and so then it, uh, in the beginning is more the discipline of, uh, actually not engaging in the action of going and checking email and, 
or downloading a business podcast or starting to read a business book, you know, uh, that's at the beginning. But then as, a, as, a, as it gets, as you start getting good at that, then it becomes more of a, more like a energy management of like, can I flow easily from a production day into my play day? And out of my play day into my production. And how can I continue being in the flow of, you know, what is in front of me and press into that. And so as you get better, you know, you, you transition into that. But at the beginning, it's more like, okay, how do I even like stop myself? Because unconsciously, you know, I was already opening up my Kindle and, you know, 10 pages later of a business book. And I'm like, crap, I'm supposed to be doing nothing that uh-huh. regards uh-huh. business, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And, um, also with the podcast, um, it is my intention, like I said earlier to bring many more ladies along. Okay. As I have started, you know, we started with land, then we moved into single family, but as I have progressed into the multifamily space, it's getting lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. Wow. <laughs> and there's in terms of like s- seeing more ladies, actually investing, actually discussing higher level, you know, topics, investments, complexities, and so on and so forth. And I don't think is it is because of a lack of intellect. It is because of just, I think, a lack of um, perhaps either empowerment or a lack of access to the knowledge or uh, of just realizing that this is something important that I should be looking, that I should be interested in about and and actually know. And so what I'm trying to do in in the Inflow podcast is, you know, where I'm at is bringing and simplifying a lot of what I've learned in, you know, in the 16 years that I have been in real estate and and, um, not necessarily dumbing it down uh, because that is not necessary, but uh, bringing it in a slower pace and in a more simplified version to women out there and, and helping them to recognize that they can both be either active investors or passive investors, you know, and oh. that they can either become active investors if they want to, if they hate their jobs, like we did in the beginning and become flipping and become wholesaling, you know, whether it be houses or land or that they can also, you know, if if they love what they do right now, they could also be participating in the real estate market as passive investors. So it's it's uh, part of I think my my purpose here to bring that out. I I put out in a, a statistic uh, the other day on Facebook, and a lot of people were like completely surprised, and I myself was so surprised when I first heard it for the first time and verified it. Uh, it was shared by Claudia Chang, the CEO and founder of the She Summit in New York. And um, did you know that approximately only less than 1% of all real property in the world is owned by women? Less than 1%. Yeah, but this is including, of course, countries where, I mean, women are are considered to be property still, you know what I mean? So... So, but, but it includes the U.S. as well, you know, from the point of view uh, of women, it's only been 40, 50 years. Like I, I did an interview with uh, the president of a board of a bank uh, here in Phoenix. We actually bank with, with, with her bank. And she was explaining to me, can you believe that it's been maybe 40, 50 years since women were actually even able to open a bank account without getting the permission of their husbands? And, and she was telling me, so your statistic actually, you know, it, it includes the U.S. and it makes sense because that really hampers the opportunity for women to even think about investing if you don't even have a bank account, you know. But that's oh, yeah. 50 years ago. That is no longer the case now. But what I'm saying is that it's not, it hasn't been too long. And yeah. so I, I just want to bring more ladies along if they're interested. I want them – I want to have – a place where there's a voice for women and and faces that they can use as role models in either active investing or passive investing. And so I'm bringing in a lot of um, uh, ladies that are either you know wholesaling land or um, or houses that are in the single family you know uh, space or in the multifamily space. People that I 
businesses that I trust and respect and that I know really well. And, uh, but so I'm at the beginning of the podcast right now, I'm in a phase where I'm showcasing a lot of those women. And eventually I was telling Jack, I want to bring guys on board as well, because it's a joint team. Like Jack and I, I mean, I, I, I want to say that we have been an amazing, uh, model for unity in terms of both being involved, you know, either in our businesses or in parenting or in our, um, you know, duties here at the house and so on and so forth. And so I, I, I want to have, I want to see more of that out there. Well, that's good. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. And, um, so you just started your podcast about a couple weeks ago, right? For, as yeah, we're recording this we now. debut, the debut was November 5th nice. and I was so excited. I mean, the last, uh, two, three months, you know, working on website, on branding, on logo, it's been quite quite a trip and, and really, really excited. I'm very, you know, happy to have, uh, that out there. And, um, and so far so good. I mean, I've had so many messages from actually both ladies and men reaching yeah, out saying yeah. that they've actually enjoyed it a lot. And I'm like, yay, this is, it's, it's, it's working. People are liking it. And, um, and it's bringing me great satisfaction that, uh, that they're not just liking it, but, uh, it's been useful, you know, in a lot of the messages that I, where I have been, you know, people have reached out to me privately, either on Facebook or on email or on text. Um, it's, it's made an impact. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Good for you. I'm excited about the show. Um, and I, I'm glad to, you don't, you don't talk to many women about real estate investing period, but you don't, there's not too many people that have, are talking about it, but also talking about like, how to be successful in business, but how to also be successful in life. Because absolutely, if, if you cannot divorce those two things. Yeah. I mean, you they're one, one and the same, yeah. you know? Yeah. So talk about the word flow, um, okay. inflow. That's what your podcast is called. Mm -hmm. What does mm -hmm. that word mean to you? Okay. So there's, there's a little bit of marketing there in terms of originally I'm interested in flow from the point of view of vitality. Uh -huh. Yeah. But the inflow comes from not just being in flow by taking care of your body and your health, but also by recognizing that by being in flow, you know, physically, health-wise, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you can bring, you know, that win in that in those categories, the mental category, the character character uh, category, the spirit category, the health category, those wins really translate. I and mean, if there's a win in those categories, there will be a win in the category of finances as well, mm. you know? Yeah. And so that's where the inflow comes about. So it's, uh, it's not just inflows of inflows of cash, you know, which is something that we talk about a lot in the podcast, just because I, you know, you know, now we, we talk about one-time cash, temporary cash, forever cash. We talk a lot about, you know, a lot of cash, but it's also inflows of inflows of grace, inflows of vitality, inflows of lightness. Uh, you know, how can you bring lightness to what you're doing such that it doesn't feel like you're constantly pushing or resisting or forcing and rather you resting in the strength, in your strength, your genius and the strength of others, you know, and, and that concept of just resting in your strength and the strength of others versus using strength or force, you know, to get things done is part of being in flow. Good. So, and I talk about those things during the podcast. Yes. Nice. And is your format uh, once a week? Are you doing multiple right. episodes? Yes, I do once a week right now. And I actually, I'm thinking I'm going to start every other week uh, after the first quarter of next year. And I want people to have the opportunity that are listening to not just be overwhelmed to the point where it becomes noise and it's actually not of substance, or at least it happens to me, Joe, that when I, when somebody is so much in my face, I'm like, I stop actually listening or reading because it's so I'm constantly being bombarded by that person mm -hmm. that I'm like, I'm not taking so much of that information in anymore. And so to give people again, uh, a time to actually, you know, sit down on or whenever during the week or, or the weekend, if they have time and, Oh, you know what? I, I missed the last episode. Let me catch up on that. And, and, and do them, you know, in, 
in much more slower pace than I know a lot of people out there, which is probably completely the opposite of what, you know, people do there. I remember the first time I told Jack, you know, I want to start doing this. He's like, oh my God, you know, that's fantastic. We need to have like 20 podcasts ready before release, <laughs> before publishing and da, 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 da. And, uh, and what are we going to have on the landing page? And because we need to monetize this. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not doing this because I want to feel good after doing it because I'm feeling good now. I want to do it and I have no plans of monetizing in any way, shape or form, which drove him crazy at the beginning. And then I'm like, and I have decided that I'm not going to kill myself to have, you know, 20 yeah. podcasts ready, but you. I'm going to, I'm going to drip them. And I want this podcast because it's part of my cultivation of the right brain and being creative. I want it to be a creativity project. I want to have to experience delight in creating the podcast every single time. You know, when I either interview a lady or do a solo or interview a gentleman, um, I, I want to experience, you know, just delightfulness in, in the process of doing it before I was all about, okay, let's get to that result as fast as possible, please. Because I hate the journey and I want to get to the destination. And now I'm all about, man, let's savor this process. Let's enjoy it. Let's let, let it have it be slow and deliberate. Slow is also good. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Um, I want to ask you a few more questions, Michelle. I know your time is yeah. valuable and we've gone over our time, Woo. but that's okay Sorry. because you're, you're two hours be, be, be uh, earlier than me. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Time zone. <laughs> yes, you're <laughs> no, right. I'm just kidding. But do you have time? Can I ask you a few more questions yeah, about yeah, land? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Cause you guys got started with land. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you compare land investing to house, single family investing to multifamily investing? Mm, okay. So from the cash flow perspective, uh, both land and houses can be used to create one-time cash or temporary cash, whether you do, you know, a quick wholesale or you offer seller financing. Um, and then single family homes and multifamily can both be used, in my opinion, also to, to do that at a much larger scale. But for me, they're more of a plan to, cre- to be crea- creators of forever cash flow. So yeah. those are the distinctions I see. Then another, of course, is the complexity. Oh my God, Joe. We were thinking that we we're going to do one a quarter of these multifamily syndications. <laughs> no. Right now we're at two a year and we're in next year we're thinking, uh, maybe we need to keep it at two a year, if not at one. The complexity that goes into the financing, into the fundraising, uh, contract negotiation, even negotiation of letters of intent, even before you get to contract. It's a much more uh, lengthy process. It's much more complicated. There's many more moving pieces. But I know that we're willing to do it because it just turbocharges that forever cash flow in ways that, you know, going one house at a time, it does not. You yeah. know, so it's, it's like all of a sudden, instead of looking at one door, you're looking at a hundred all at once. And so just the analysis that goes into that, you know, has been, um, a learning curve and, uh, and just much more complex. And then on, on either one, I think single family or really on all three, you can do nationwide. So those would be similarities. Um, it doesn't matter where you're at, yeah. um, you know, Eventually, I do want to go, you know, especially on the multifamily, by the time it gets under contract, I, I actually want to go and visit the property even before getting into, into contract once the LOI has been accepted. And I tell Jack, like, you know, sometimes everything looks great on paper and you have your period of due diligence, of course, where you're going to do all the, you know, uh, inspections and of not just the financials, you know, but of the actual, you know, property and lease jackets one by one to make sure that, you know, whatever the seller, uh, gives you on paper is actually happening on the ground. But, uh, so yeah, so, so there's, there, yeah. there's quite a bit of, yeah, that goes much more in, in, on the multifamily. So the easiest, in my opinion, the easiest way, you know, to get quick ca- cash and wholesale is, is land just because I don't have to think about any other evaluations and estimates in terms of rehabbing or thinking of, you know, 
the second person or third person that will eventually retail that house. Um, yeah. but, uh, but that's, that's just me. So if you were giving advice to somebody who's just getting started, wants to get into business and they're looking at land or houses, what would you tell them to do? As an active investor, you mean? Or as a passive, um, as an active, right? Actively yes, if, doing this every day. Yes, okay. Yes. So as an active investor, I would say that it, it has to do with your level of confidence, number one, and the level of complexity that you want to deal with. If, because you can do every single thing that you do with a house, and I know you're all about houses, <laughs> but everything that you do with a house in terms of, ca- ca- you know, wholesaling you do with a f- piece of land and, and in, and in a piece of land, um, a lot of people have the misconception that is like, okay, you know, well, is it because I'm going to be, is it easier because I'm uh, wholesaling at a lower price point? And that can, does not have to be the case. You know, that's how we started. We started with lower price property and really making our money through volume. But as we have, as we have grown as investors, even in the land, we're no longer doing, you know, very low price points, but more like profit margins where we have, you know, four fifty, a hundred, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar margins in profit. And so and so I know that those kinds of, of margins people usually almost always associate it more with houses, but you can do them with land as well. You just need to, you know, target those uh, much more. But um that that is possible as well. But and and I don't know what a typical margin on a house because we we really tried it for like a couple of quarters, you know, on the wholesaling of houses. And we're like, no, this is a little bit too complicated. This is much easier for us to do it in land, but it's probably because we were resting in our strength of many years of doing land, you know? And so then for us, the single family uh, uh, market or segment or asset class really became for us a place just to, you know, for cash flow and capital preservation and more of a buy and hold strategy. Yeah. So, so I, taking... I would say, I would say if, if you want simplicity, go for land. It is so much easier than houses, in my opinion, if you want to become an active investor. If you want to become a passive investor and you want to basically have mailbox money, you can do that with land too. But recognize that the, when the people pay off the land, you know, that, that mailbox money will end. And in the single family space, that, that will only end if you decide to liquidate the asset and sell it, you know? We are buying a piece of land right now from an investor. Well, we're, I, don't, I don't know if I'd call him an investor because he's not anymore. He used to be. He had, <laughs> it's so funny. He bought this property probably 12, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And with owner financing, he put like 50% down. I think he was, his contract to buy it was for 60. Mm-hmm. And he put 30, 35,000 down on it. Mm-hmm. And started making payments. Mm-hmm. And over the next three to four years, he was continually making payments. And then he defaulted, went into bankruptcy, and thought that he lost the lot, the land. Oh, uh-huh. this was this was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And we um, we sent some letters to him. He got it. He called us and said, "I don't think I own this land anymore." And we looked <laughs> and said, "Well, we think you do." <laughs> And uh, we looked and there was no mortgage at all recorded against the property. And yeah, it was probably. still in his name. And he had six years of unpaid taxes. So he owed like only $1,400 for unpaid taxes. Um, but this lot is worth about 40 guess oh, how much? Nice. Guess how much we're buying? Now, when I say it's worth, that's what other people are selling their similar size lots for right now. Okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh. We're buying it for $3,000. That's Yeah, it's like... You know, sometimes I, I'm almost like ashamed uh, to really disclose like the margins and, and just the returns because, you know, when you start talking about 100, 200, 300% returns, people must be thinking, uh, are you doing something illegal? <laughs> but <laughs> What are you going to grow on this land again? <laughs> I know, exactly. But yeah, this is not uncommon. This These margins are not uncommon at all. Absolutely in the so, land. We we're probably gonna we have to pay back taxes, which so we'll be all in for about forty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so nervous about this deal. We're actually going to use a title company. Why are you nervous? There's, <laughs> I mean, well, what because- are you going to lose? The only thing that I can think of is that if he had a contract for deed with someone, and that person never recorded it, but at some point, you know, 
somebody finds it or it fell in between the cracks and they record it, um, you know, all of a sudden there could be some cloud in your title, but title company is going to fix that. They're going to figure it out, you know? Well, that's why I want to use a title company. Yeah. So we can get title insurance on it and that, yeah, exactly. that should be covered. And um, they will probably have him, it, they will probably have him sign something that he has not sold this to anyone else in parallel or something like that. Yeah. And Yeah. So you, you should be fine. <laughs> I just can't believe the we found the name of the company that originally sold it to them, mm-hmm. and, and they're out of business. I don't know what they're doing now, but um, they probably made their cash back, right? When yeah, they sold exactly. it with owner financing, and they just kind of yeah forgot about it. It's too much work to go into <laughs> foreclose on it. Yeah. But um, so we're I, I love the land business. We're still doing houses, and um, I'm actually taking my sons. They're, uh, they're 15 and 13 years old. I'm taking them to uh, your boot camp in Tampa, Florida oh, in, yeah. in January. So, 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 then, so then you really are actively doing land then as well. I thought I, I wasn't yeah. sure if you had continued or, or, or what. Okay, wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. We would love to have you. Well, the, uh, will you be there or will they, no, will yeah, they be I'm, alone? I'm going you, with my boys. Awesome. The, awesome. Um, so they want to, you know, my, my 15-year-old wants to buy a Tesla when he uh-huh. turns 16. I, I told him that's not going to happen. But I, I love his ambition. He wants to do it, you know, and he's um, he's gunning for it. So I'm like, yeah, great. Let's do it. And Well, he needs maybe four deals of, you know, anywhere between twenty five and $30,000 yeah. in terms of margins. This is not really a pie-in-the-sky situation. This could really happen. Well, the other thing I'm excited about for him is for the cash flow. Uh And what I've done personally for my own land investing business is I uh, still flip houses, but I had some students that were doing some wholesaling, traditional wholesaling. Uh And they live in St. Louis with me and we're friends from church. And Uh they just didn't like it at all. They didn't like the neighborhoods that they were wholesaling houses in. They didn't like dealing with the sellers and the buyers and the tenants that were living in the house. Um, they were just wholesaling it, right? But like, mm-hmm. it stressed them out. Mm-hmm. And I had been interviewing Jack. I've interviewed Jack a couple of times. I interviewed a couple other guys who do land. And uh, I, I approached them and I said, hey, listen, what if we partnered on this land stuff? I'll invest in some education and some courses. Oh, you go through yeah. it and I'll partner with you on it. Mm-hmm. I'll pay for the money. Uh, we built out the whole, um, this was before you guys came out with, um, um, don't tell me investment investor dominator. Yeah. The investment dominator. Investment the software, dominator yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I created my whole thing out in Podio and uh, uh-huh. I gave it to them and we've done about 20, 25 deals in Colorado and Oregon in the last um, couple years, just like doing it part, part, part time. Uh-huh. And uh, see, so, but so then you, you're already in lighthouse mode. You're already in easy and effortless because what you did is you went ahead and partnered with someone that probably aligns incredibly well with your values and you found a head to that horse and and now you're investing in the who and the who is going out there and doing things. Huh. I like so you're, you you're, re- you're already a lighthouse. <laughs> you're already a lighthouse, Joe. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. So are you going to be there in Florida? Yes, I, I attend um, all three events of the year as well as all four events of the Ultimate Boardroom. We do those every quarter of our Land Masters Mastermind. And, um, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there in January. Well, good. I look forward forward to to seeing you there and meeting the boys. So what were the ages again? 15 and 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. They've they've already gone through your course. The Ultimate yeah. They've already gone through that. And uh, I'm kind of the one who is not – fully let them go with it yet because I'm so nervous. Like these are my little boys. They're not old enough yet to do this stuff. I'm just, I know they are, but like, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm thinking about hiring. You're you're probably thinking, Oh my God. And they're going to have to, you know, take inbound calls and they're going to be talking to sellers. Yes. And you know what? At the beginning, that's fine for them to start doing that. (laughs) It's kind of, I can see. Oh, I can I'm, see where your your hesitation is there, but they can do it. They can do it. They do. I'm sure they'll they'll do great. Yes. Well, I'm thinking about because I'm so busy. I'm thinking about hiring um, a part time assistant to just help mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. with this land stuff, mm-hmm. and I'll just pay the assistant myself and and 
reimburse myself through the, some of the profits. But absolutely, that way I can have the assistant do the the data admin stuff that they can't do. Yeah, because they're in school. Yeah. 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 Or no, no, no. I think you guys do homeschooling too. Yeah, we do homeschooling. Yeah. So they, yeah. we, 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 um, and by the time they're out, they're done with school. Like I don't want to work anymore and help them. Yeah. So yeah. we're figuring that out. And that's one of the things I want to talk about with you and, and everybody else at that event in January. Right. But uh, we still do houses. I love houses. I like the not having all my eggs in one basket. I, the same here. I mean, yeah. we, we have, you know, a couple dozen single family homes here in Phoenix and the same in a few other, you know, two other markets in Cleveland, Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, we love houses too, and we'll continue to buy them, you know? So, but, but it, we just found, you know, in the multifamily space, if we just did one of those a year, you know, the, the turbo charging of the, of the forever cash and, that tax savings that oh, we're able to get. Oh, I don't get want to talk to sh- about that. I know no. to shield the active income oh of the flip. Gosh. It's 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 crazy. You have to do something like this too. <laughs> oh my gosh! When I so yeah, we won't talk about the numbers on this podcast, but the the tax benefits alone of big multifamily investing, yeah, it's huge. It is. It and is. It's um. Some people might complain that it's not fair, but. You know what? It is. Yeah. I, you, I mean, there's tax law is made by the rich for the rich. And so you need to play the game, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's if if you don't change your identity from the point of view, I'm like, okay, now I'm playing the game of, yeah. you know, that the wealthy do. I'm I'm wealthy as well. And, and I'm going to use it to my, you know, to our advantage. Why not? Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, yeah. Michelle... Thanks so much for being on the show. Your podcast is called Inflow, Faith, Flow, and Finances. Do you have a website that people can go to or they uh-huh. just, should they just go to iTunes? They can go to iTunes or they can go to www.michellebosch.com. Cool. And there's a little tab there for podcast. And But iTunes, of course, would be great. And if they like it, just like you said earlier, please leave me a review. That does help me, you know, in terms of visibility and reaching more ladies out there and creating an audience of, of ladies that, you know, comes along as well for the ride and enjoys the benefits either as an active investor or as a passive investor. You got a great looking website too. Thank you. Good Thank job. you. I need to refresh my pictures. Those pictures are from like three, four years ago. I was telling Jack, I need new pictures, but uh, that means I have to go, like I was telling you earlier, <laughs> I need to figure out, I'm, I find to hire a makeup artist, you know, and oh. somebody that does my hair, the photographer. It's hard work, Joe, looking that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, 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 you always look good. Michelle. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joe, for having me and for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Um, and let me tell you, I have been already interviewed in a few others good. on a, other podcasts. This by far is the podcast where we have been in flow way more than any other. (laughs) So relaxed. Nice. So just like we are two two buddies talking to each other. This has been wonderful. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's a good compliment. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you, Michelle. Have a good Christmas. Yeah. The same to you. And we'll see you. And I will see you in January. A few weeks. Yeah. All right. Take okay, care. bye-bye. Take Thanks care. Thanks a lot. Guys, go check out Michelle Bosch. Her website is michellebosch.com, and her podcast is called Inflow with Michelle. I'm looking at her iTunes page here. She's already got a ton of really good reviews, which is exciting, and I'm going to subscribe right now. And I've listened to an episode, a couple episodes, but I haven't subscribed yet. So I'm going to go subscribe mm-hmm. myself, and I'm going to leave you a review. Perfect. Thank you so much, Joe. I will do the same for you. (laughs) All right. Thanks. We'll see you guys. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes, and we will see you guys later. Bye-bye.